This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Sometimes it takes a little push to, to get into the gym and actually train. Sometimes it takes a little push to actually start uh, something that maybe you've had on your mind for years. And and it really is a great feeling and a great accomplishment to have written my, my own book. If it's the only one I ever do, I did it. How many of you have ever used the TRX RIP Trainer in your workouts? If you're a regular at the gym, then you know what piece of equipment I'm talking about. It's pretty much standard in the fitness industry. The black and yellow weighted bar is attached to a black bungee cord, and it's a simple but effective tool to help you develop rotational mobility, core strength, and to improve your balance. Those of you who were clients of Studio 8 Fitness will remember when we first got the RIP trainers there, Remember we used to do workouts outside with them? And if you remember that, you're smiling because we had a lot of fun. It's a great tool, it's a fun tool, and like I said, it's pretty much standard in the industry. Well, in today's podcast, I have the opportunity to talk to the inventor of that piece of equipment, Pete Holman. Pete is a physical therapist, certified strength and conditioning coach, a former U.S. National Taekwondo champion, and two-time Gleason's International Masters boxing champion. The RIP Trainer isn't the only product he's developed, either. He also recently released a new piece of equipment called the Nautilus Glute Drive. This equipment is actually designed to help sculpt your glute muscles, which is something we could probably all use. <laughs> it also helps improve hip and core stability. Pete's written for PT on the Net, Idea Fitness Journal, and Stack Magazine. He's been on several national television shows, including the Steve Harvey Show and The Doctors. And in his spare time, <laughs> he works at his day job, training elite athletes in Aspen, Colorado. As you can tell, he's had some pretty incredible accomplishments in his life. And yet today, he is going to share something that he's done for the very first time. He's going to talk about becoming a best-selling author. Because he's been such a well-known voice in the fitness industry, many people might be expecting this book to be about strength and conditioning or maybe something related to fitness and exercise. Well, guess what? It's not. It is something completely different. And I don't want to give away too much. Pete talks about the book, which is called Cruise, in this interview. And I know you will want to hear all about it from him. So let's get started. I invite you to sit back and listen in as Pete Holman shares his story. Hi, Pete. Welcome to It Just Takes One. Hello. Nice to have you on. It's really great to have um, a little time to talk with you just in this format. <laughs> Excellent. I'm looking forward to this, Kelly. Me too. For those of you that don't know, um, Pete Holman is quite well known in the fitness industry. And some of you that are in the fitness industry listening will know his name because most of you, if not all of you, 
have used the TRX Rip Trainer, which was one of Pete's inventions several years ago. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Pete's been in the industry for quite a while. He's a physical therapist. He's a certified strength and conditioning coach. He is located now in Aspen, trains in Aspen, but he is also an inventor and the TRX Rip Trainer is not his only invention. I'll, I'll give you a chance, Pete, to share some of the new product that's coming out. Uh, but I'm, I'm really happy to have him on the show today, not because he is all of those things I just mentioned, but because he is also a first-time best-selling author. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how we connected. Uh, Pete and I have been working together over the last few months to get his book out. It's called Cruise. And I'm really anxious, Pete, to spend some time talking about that book and about that process and, and what this experience has been like for you. But before we get to that, I want to talk for a little bit, give, give a little bit more of your background and give people a little better sense of, of where you're coming from. Talk a little bit about what you do now in the fitness industry and how you coach and, and maybe a little bit about the TRX Rip Trainer, how that came to be and, and the new invention that you're working on now, the glute drive that's out there. So tell, share a little more. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, like you said, I'm a physical therapist. That's kind of what my clinical training is. I went to the University of Colorado and, and got a master's of science degree. And this was in 1997. I can't believe it's been over 20 years now. Um, so that's, that's kind of my clinical background. But I also was very interested in strength and conditioning. And uh, many moons ago, I was on the U.S. National Taekwondo team. And that's kind of one of the first things that got me interested in really physical therapy to start with because I was constantly injured and wanting to learn how to rehabilitate myself. Um, but then also I wanted to learn how to improve my performance and, you know, dominate the competition and all the stuff you do as a competitive athlete. And so it was really, you know, I tell people, I attribute my martial arts to really my entire career, both physical therapy and strength and conditioning. Um, I, I now live in Aspen, Colorado, and with my wife and my 12-year-old my daughter, and I've got a nice private practice here. I've traveled around a lot. You know, when I created the TRX Rip Trainer, I moved to San Francisco because that's where the headquarters for uh, Fitness Anywhere is and TRX. And so um, I launched the Rip Trainer and created an eight-hour education course for that and then ended up traveling uh, the world you know, trying to launch that education and, and educate instructors and coaches and athletes on the, the foundations of rotational training. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of up to speed, you know, and I've, I've never, that my bug for kind of fitness product innovation is really peaking now. Um, a year ago, I launched something called the Nautilus Glute Drive, which is a plate-loaded hip thrust machine. And it's kind of the first one of its kind on the market. And it's really been amazing. In fact, I just had on my Instagram this morning, I saw somebody from Bulgaria, had a gym from Bulgaria had a big crate, you know, with the Nautilus glute drive on it. And they were all excited. They got their new toy. And it just kind of blows my mind that, um, you know, I now again have products that are all over the world. Um, so that's been really exciting for me. Uh, to, to really kind of exciting. I, I love yeah. that. And I, I, you know, I think so many people have ideas, you know, if you've been working in any industry, but we'll, we'll keep with fitness because that's where we come from. You know, you're working with a client and you're trying to get some 
movement that they're not getting. And so you kind of get creative and you, you, you make something up that works better than what you've got. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people out in the industry that will say that, but what do you, what made you, what drove you to actually take that the step further and really create the product? Cause you know, putting something together on the floor is one thing, but actually creating and manufacturing a product that's being shipped around the world <laughs> is a completely different beast. It, it is really hard. And I, you know, I guess my, to be honest, my first product was not the TRX rip trainer. It was something called the functional trainer training rack. And so I was working in a physical therapy clinic and I noticed every time I wanted to use a BOSU ball or a foam roller or a sport cord, they were kind of strewn about, the floor and you couldn't find them and they were you people were tripping over them and so i basically created this medicine ball rack that was you know on steroids and it had all these other compartments for foam rollers and yoga mats and and sport resistance cords and um tilt boards and things of that nature and so that was my first product um and you know i guess i just get really frustrated i mean i um i demand excellence and and you know, working with clients and my, my time efficiency is very important and things like that just drive me nuts where it's just simple organization. So uh, yeah, I just went to a, a local fabricator, a steel bender and, and said, Hey, I've got this concept. Can you make me a prototype? I always start with a prototype because you don't really know if what you're thinking in your mind is going to translate into Im improved efficiency and effectiveness you, you just it's a guess you know but once you have a prototype you can kind of go hey this this actually kind of works you know and then I just refined it and I ended up you know launching a business now that was my first one and I had I have no background in business you know most of these folks like even Randy Hetrick you know if you study his history he's an MBA from Stanford mm -hmm. so people think he's just kind of an ex-jock Navy SEAL no he's actually got an MBA uh, in business from Stanford, <laughs> one of the best business schools in the world. So he's no slouch, but, you know, you, but you know, so I got, I got an MBA from the school of hard knocks, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I kind of failed on my first business and lost, you know, a little bit of money, but then, um, the next, the next thing I came out with was the rip trainer. And I was actually training a snow snowmobile athlete for the X games and he was having low back pain and and we you know wanted to increase his core strength before the x games and i just i literally thought boy if he could hold a handlebar that kind of simulated a snowmobile and could simulate some of those rotational torque loads and the inertia going into bank turns um maybe i could get him better prepared for his actual sport and event and i literally just took a closet rod so that was a very easy prototype to fabricate i i took a closet rod in a sport cord and you know within an hour i had it um you know and then but the challenge is you know actually sitting down and creating an executive summary a business plan that you know it does all the you're looking at as their patent uh, is there prior art can you patent it if you can't patent it is there a go-to-market strategy you know, manufacturing, cost of goods, fulfillment, website development, all that stuff that is really not that fun to do, but that's kind of what you have to do if you really want to start a business and, and launch a new product into the industry. All that list that you just gave, everybody who's listening who heard that list was like, no, I think I'll just be making stuff up in my gym. <laughs> Like, yep, nope, that's not for me. Well, that is the big difference because it's not the desire, it's the tenacity to actually get in it and stay in it. 
Uh, no, I totally, I totally agree, and you're, <laughs> and you're right. But I will say to the folks that are listening, if you do have an idea, uh, number one, you can always reach out to somebody that has done this. There's a lot of folks in the industry, including myself, you know, and Cassidy Phillips of Trigger Point or David Weck of Bosu, um, you know, Michelle Dalcourt of Viper. That you know, most of these folks are are pretty accessible, and they've got a wealth of knowledge. Um, and, and their own stories, but I will say, you just take you. It's you take bite-sized chunks, you know. So you have an idea. You think, all right, well, how much would it cost to do a prototype? And and if it seems like it's a reasonable, you know, if it's twenty thousand dollars, you might want to rethink it. But you know, if you can do it for, you know, whatever seems reasonable, then you, you just explore it. And then you you know you spend an hour on the weekend googling, you know, prior <laughs> art on that. Meaning, is there a patent out? Because if you if there's a strong patent, then then you have a whole legal aspect to get around. But you know, and then you just take bite-sized chunks and get some advice and counsel. And who knows? Most people have some folks around them, especially in this industry, uh, clients that have some money. You know, and and you can get what's called an angel investor, which is somebody that is usually I wouldn't recommend using your family because if it goes south you know there's just too much tension but if you have somebody that's pretty close to you that has some money um, and they'll and they often will give you money they'll either give you a loan at very low interest or they'll give you a chunk of capital that you can start to pursue your dream and they do it for a reasonable amount they don't you know, take your whole company um, and then, and then, you know, but then at some point you got to play with the big boys or the big, big girls and, you know, you're in the corporate world and it's, then it's gnarly, <laughs> but you know, it can be done. I'm living proof. You're living proof. <laughs> and, and, and not just once, but apparently three times. I didn't even know about that first Oh, I, well, I've got another one coming out soon, Kelly. Is that you gotta, right? Oh yeah. You gotta, Are you going to share? No, no. You got to wait soon? and see. All right, you guys follow up with Pete. He's got more surprises coming. One <laughs> surprise that's coming uh, is is the book, and so let's talk a little bit about that. And it's kind of, you know, it's 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 the same concept. There are a lot of people out there who have ideas about books. You know, I want to write a book. I think I'll write a book, and yet the idea is one thing and then sitting down and actually getting it done is a completely different thing you've now done that you've completed the book and you've you finished it and it's out there and it's a bestseller talk about that moment when you said i know i'm gonna write this book and i'm gonna write this story what was that moment do you remember when that happened you know th this is gonna sound weird but i as a as a kid um, I, sometimes I would get things in my mind and this, this happened and I, I can, I can almost pinpoint like the day and the time and the, and the smells and the energy that was in the room when, when I get these ideas in my, my head. And one of the first was that I was a junior in high school and I was hanging out with some really not good, good guys. And I was doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. And I was drinking and drug and, and I just was a punk. I, I'll be honest with you. I was uh, 16 years old and um, I saw a thing, uh, a kind of a little proto or um, an advertisement, I guess, for, for football. And I thought, you know, my senior, uh, by the way, I was 16 as a junior in high school. So I was really young, kind of starting school. Um, and anyhow, it said, you know, play, play uh, football, uh, 
for your senior year. And it was kind of like a you pump up the seniors. And I thought, you know, I've never – I played football as a freshman. Um, I never – I wanted to play my last year of high school. And, I mean, I knew right away I was going to start working out. I was going to start running. I was going to stop drinking and drugging. And literally, like, a cold turkey overnight, my friends were like, huh, what? Holman, what's got into you? And I said, this is what I'm doing, guys. And, it, and so the point is there was another time in my life when I was reading Edgar Allan Poe, and I was in middle school. And, he, you know, he does a lot of short stories. He, you know, he's also got longer stuff. But these short stories just, I was fascinated by these Edgar Allan Poe stories. And I said, you know, one day I want to write something. And so I'm not saying that's when it started, but it put the seed in my head. And then, to be honest, when I was working with TRX, I did a lot of traveling. And a lot of it was overseas. I would fly to Japan and South Korea and Thailand and, and Germany. And these flights, I mean, you're literally 12 hours on a plane. You know, so you you do the the gratuitous, all right, I'm going to watch the latest movie that's out, and that's an hour and a half. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I still got 10 and a half hours. <laughs> and so I said, you know, I would like to write. And I start, to be honest, I also started wanting to write about strength and conditioning because that's, you know, I've been doing that for 26 years, and that's my life. And I've written a lot of stuff for PT on the Net and Stack Magazine and Idea Fitness Journal. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but I've got a process and I, and I can write that stuff. But I was so burnt out on strength. And, you know, when you do seminars every day on strength and conditioning and it just it predominates uh, or, or it dominates your thought process every day, at some point you need a break from it. And so um, it was on one of these trips coming back from Asia that I thought, man, I would like to write. And I'd like it to be something other than strength and conditioning. Well, then there was a dilemma. Well, what do I write on? You know, because I wasn't that much into politics and, you know. Um, and so I said, no, maybe I'll just make something up, you know, free writing, entertaining. And, and I don't know. I came up with a character. I came up with like a very superficial shell of a, a plot and, and began to write and then it kind of, it was something I looked forward to because it, for me, it was an escape. It was almost like watching a fun, you know, comedy movie, you know, with Jason Bateman or just, you just something to get your mind off of the day-to-day -day grind. And then, so every time I traveled, I looked forward to it because I can work on my book. Um, and I, at the time, I just wanted to do it to write uh, and, and to, you know, put my words on paper. And then over time, I thought, you know, this is kind of a cool story. And I talked to my daughter a little bit about it. And I said, what do you think? She says, I really like it. And, and, uh, and, you know, and then at some point I talked to Dan McDonough, who um, is a good friend of Todd Durkin's, one of the mastermind. Uh, he is the mastermind. He is. And, he is. <laughs> and, and, and Todd's my man. And I always look up to him and, and, but Dan was telling me that he had went to a conference or a mastermind group that you were speaking at mm -hmm. and that you had talked about a business you had launched called Scripter Publishing and that you help, uh, you know, all kinds of authors, but especially first time authors get their books published. And boy, that was just perfect timing for me. And I, I, I want to say I reached out literally that weekend to you. Now it took us a little while to kind of get our, our ducks in a row, but um, yeah, that was kind of the, the origin story of this book. And um, I'm really excited about it. 
I am so excited about it. I want to read a little bit of the summary of the book because I think you did a nice lead up there to showing people that this is not a strength and conditioning book. This is something no, it's not. completely <laughs> different, totally, um, like you said, an escape for you, but a totally entertaining book and an interesting character. And, and let me read the summary just to give people a little taste of what it is. Manuel Cruz Delgado grows up amidst drug trafficking and violence in Mexico in the 1970s. When his parents make the emotional decision to cross the border into the United States, it is, it is a decision that alters Cruz's life forever. Despite the tragedy he experiences, the one thing that gives him hope and solace is the joy he feels when riding his bike. Part breaking away and part way of the peaceful warrior, Cruz is the heartfelt story of an underdog. For anyone who has been bullied, denigrated, picked on, or felt like they didn't belong, this is your story. It is a story of adversity, a story of growth, a story of athletic prowess, and a story of love. But most importantly, it is a story about a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're gonna have to do the uh, the um, you know what is it when the book gets audiobooks? Oh, the audiobook. Yeah, I'll you, do the intro. <laughs> yeah, you can, no, you'll read the whole thing, Kelly. Oh, there we go. How badly do you want to read the book after you hear that? I, I don't know. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm biased, but no, it's uh, I, that's I hadn't heard that in a while because I think I, we wrote that a while back, but. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a story of an underdog and who doesn't like a good story of an underdog and it's a love story and it's a story of overcoming adversity and, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, in a strange way, it's, it is a story of my life. I mean, it's a fictional story, but within it, the, the coaching, the mentoring, um, some of the relationship stuff, you know, comes from my intimate experiences growing up and and competing as a high level athlete being coached as a high level athlete then in turn mentoring other young youngsters and and coaching others that are trying to um, develop uh, uh, not just physically but spiritually and emotionally and you know that that's that's what this book is about it's about finding yourself and and overcoming adversity and achieving uh, your potential actualizing your potential and i think that's you know really what life is about is just trying to be the best version of you that you can be and and actualize your potential and and when you when you pursue that those goals good things seem to come out of it against all odds yeah, yeah it really against is. all odds the 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 story is riveting you get into it and you can't wait to find out what happens you know every chapter you can't wait to find out what's going to happen in the next chapter because this character is you know Cruz becomes somebody that you just relate to and and you feel connected to and you can feel for him as the underdog mm -hmm. um, but I, I want to I really want to focus for a second on the bike because it is about a bike and, and how the bike threads its way through the story. What, what made you decide to write about the bike and what was the purpose of that as the symbol of everything in this book? Well, so th this is kind of funny when, you know, this is another one of those childhood things when um, I was growing up, I was destined in my mind. I knew I would be a professional athlete. I had no doubt about it. 
And of course I wasn't. <laughs> so this is not to shatter anybody's dreams out there. Um, but I, so my first sport I fell in love with was soccer and I played soccer and I, and I, um, again, fell in love with it. I saw a movie on Pele and I was like, I will be the next Pele. You know, granted, I wasn't from Brazil and I didn't have that pedigree, but I wanted to be Pele. And so, and I ended up competing competitively at soccer. Um, then we moved to Colorado and I wanted to, and skiing was, you know, in Colorado, if you didn't ski, you were, you were, you know, nothing. And so I got into skiing and I, and it was, this was the time, I don't know if you remember Warren Miller, who. Oh yeah. Was, all those great films. <laughs> yeah, all the great ski films, you know, and, and th these guys, uh, Scott Schmidt and Glenn Plake were hucking off of cliffs and doing backflips and all this. And so then I thought I'll be an extreme ski racer. And that was great on my knees, by the way. Um, <laughs> And, and then, so, you know, so I got into a less, uh, less aggressive sport, which was uh, Taekwondo and kickboxing. Um, <laughs> but, but in, uh, there was, there was a time in 19, let's see, 1989 that I tore my ACL and it was ski and I was doing extreme ski racing. And the doctor told me that the best form of rehabilitation was riding a bike. And so I, you know, and, and I had had bikes before then, and I'd like to cruise around on bikes, but you know, when that doctor said, Hey, this is what you need to be doing. I literally that day went out and got this steel frame white Peugeot. I can still see it. It had kind of rainbow flag on it. And I mean, this bike, I, it was so awesome. And I rode that bike to school. I rode it to my girlfriends. I rode it to work. I mean, I, I sprinted around all day long on this bike and I started to feel my body change. I, my legs got really strong. Uh, my endurance increased. Um, I would race cars from certain stoplights to, you know, from one stoplight to the next, I thought I bet I could beat them, you know, <laughs> even though they can get up to 30 miles an hour. And so, you know, a bike was always a central theme in, in my life. And as I got more and more into it, um, that was right about the time where Greg LeMond hmm. now, there are a lot of the youngsters out there don't even probably know who Greg Lamond is, but before there was Lance Armstrong, uh, there was Greg, as far as a U.S. Um, kind of legitimate threat for Tour de France wins, there was this guy, Greg Lamond, and he was an amazing guy. He actually got shot in a hunting accident in his chest. He still got like lead, you know, pellets in his chest and he overcame all this adversity and, and he won the Tour de France. And so right as I was getting into bike riding, Greg LeMond comes up and I'm starting to watch the Tour de France. And I just, I got fascinated and, and engrossed in bike racing. The problem was that I'm 6'2", 215 pounds. <laughs> so I'm not exactly your poster child bike racer. I mean, I, it was like a Clydesdale, you know, trying to race a thoroughbred. And so, uh, but, you know, and then I'm, eventually moved up to the mountains of Colorado. And again, this is just bike, bike riding Mecca up here. So a bike has always been a central theme in my life for just health condition. And then also exploration. If you've ever ridden a bike, um, uh, you know, up into the mountains and, and, you know, I spent a lot of my childhood in Denver and there's a place called Waterton Canyon and it's actually pretty cool. There, uh, Martin Marietta, which is a, a strength, or a, a strength. It's a defense contractor. And I think it's now Lock, um, Lockheed Martin 
anyhow, the, you know, Lockheed combined, and there's a lot of defense contractors in Colorado, and they have like secret bases. I'm not kidding, like secret areas up in you know South Littleton, up in near Chatfield Reservoir and Waterton Canyon, and I would ride up in there, and uh, and a lot of times the roads would be closed because they don't let traffic up there because it's, you know, there's stuff going on. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like Nevada, you know, the secret alien stuff. <laughs> and so I'd be up there with myself, the bike, you know, some hawks flying around. And it just, to me, it was magical. And, and you know, and so when I started to come up with a story about an athlete, um, I've of course, I could have written about a martial artist. That would have been right up my alley. Um, or even a soccer player, because again, I really was, that was my first love, but the bike was the one that resonated most and it came out, uh, and, and in the story. And I think it's a, it's a pretty neat, a neat thing. And it's a, it's a life sport also, you know, we've got folks up here in Aspen that are, you know, in their seventies and eighties and they're, they're riding bikes. It's, uh, so, um, I think it's a pretty neat central theme to, to weave through there. It really is. And, and it is something that everybody can relate to as well. Not everybody played soccer. Not everybody did martial arts, but pretty much everybody has been on a bike of some sort in their life. So it's very relatable as well. But, you know, you, you mentioned that the character is not you. It's, you know, he's got elements of you. Uh, he certainly has your competitive drive. Those are, you can, as you're listening, you can hear that competitive spirit that, that Pete has. He has, you know, he, he actually gets to experience in the book, the character experiences martial arts, Aikido, not the Taekwondo yes. that you did. Not, um, but martial arts was and has been a, a really important part of your life. And, and it is in Cruz's life, too. There is a character, his sensei, Tom, is based yes. on somebody that was played that role in your life as well. Talk a little bit about the Tom in your life and, and just about martial arts in general, how that has really been an integral part of your life. Well, you know, when you, it, it's funny because martial arts in this day and age, it's been, it, I don't want to say it's been degraded, but it's really shifted. It's changed because you have um, for folks that are interested in, and understand martial arts, there's something called mixed martial arts now, which is mm -hmm. the UFC, the ultimate fighting championships. And there's, there's all these, um, you know, cage fighting. It's it's a really aggressive form of uh, all different types of martial arts, and you can use any one of them, whether it's wrestling or kickboxing or muay thai, or or um, grappling, jujitsu. <clears throat> They're all incorporated in the same thing. And what happens in in a lot of those schools, not necessarily the the jujitsu, but a lot of the mixed martial arts schools, it, there's not the traditional orthodoxy that you see in a traditional Taekwondo or karate or Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And those, those type of more orthodox uh, martial arts, there's, there's good things and bad things to them. The good things is they establish a framework of, of respect and dignity and, and dignity and, and integrity. And when you, train in those facilities i mean there's a there's a, a serious hierarchy and pecking order not in a bad way in a, in a healthy way and so you get people that are instantly have a mentor role with you as you're as a new student um and you learn to how to respect other students that come in 
and it's you you're building a family i mean you train with these people you know three to five times a week and it becomes it becomes more than just a competitive martial art you're you know you're creating a second family mm -hmm. and so one of the experiences i had was when i found taekwondo i was training with a gentleman um, and he, I got to be a blue belt with this, with this guy and he was amazing. He, he was one of the best martial artists I'd ever seen. And, but I got, I kind of outgrew his class. You know, there wasn't enough big, strong guys in that class and gals to, to really push me to the next level. So I, to, I went to a different class in, in Denver and um, met kind of my true, my true sensei that really became almost like a second father to me. And, and he was there when my father passed away. Um, he was there. I actually had been married. Uh, I married my high school sweetheart. Most people don't know that. And and like in the same month, I got divorced and my father passed away of prostate cancer. And I was in graduate school um, in, under a tremendous amount of stress, uh, taking finals. And I just was kind of falling apart. And there was, you know, who was there for me? My sensei. Um, and I ended up you know, traveling the world with him, competing in two world championships in the Pan Am Games and a couple national ch championships. And he, he, um, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you've had, and folks listening out there, um, if you haven't had a mentor in your life, it's something you, you need to find because there, there's very few people that just want the best for you and bring out the best in you. And then if you have had that experience, you got to pay it forward. And there's, mm -hmm. there's youngsters out there uh, or, or maybe people your same age that are going through adversity that maybe don't have the skills that you have, um, maybe haven't had the life experiences and they, they need help. They need guidance. Um, and that's, you know, that's the most beautiful thing in life when you can help somebody evolve as a human being and as an athlete, uh, you know, that that's of, critical importance. And so, of course, that was going to be in the book, you know, mm -hmm. mentorship and coaching. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of my experiences, you know, um, from my days in coaching and, and being coached are, you know, come out and cruise. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's so true. You know, the whole premise of this podcast, It Just Takes One, is that idea that it just takes one person to make that difference or one idea or one experience but oftentimes, if you find that right mentor, that right teacher, that right coach, they see something in you, they believe in you, and, and it changes the entire trajectory of your life. You know, it really sends you in a different direction. Had you not had that one moment or that one person, you would have been in a completely different place. And it sounds like your, your sensei was one of those people in your life. That's absolutely correct. And then the funny thing is the other, there's another gentleman in, in the book that ends up being Cruz's bike coach. Mm -hmm. And this was a loose translation of a, one of my best friends and who was a, like an, another mentor of mine. And he was a guy that was a little bit more verbose, a little bit more gregarious, uh, kind of loose around the edges. Um, but his, his he, he was larger than life, this guy. And he, he pushed, you know, he's, he pushed me in ways that my other coach wouldn't put, you know, was a little softer and a little bit more compassionate and understanding. This guy was almost the kind of guy that throws you up against the wall and says, what are you doing? This is your game. This is your match. You're t it's your time to win. It's your time to shine. And sometimes you need that too. You need kind of a, 
a kick in the tush or, you know, a, a quick slap across the, the brow that says, hey, you know, you got this and I believe in you. And of course, you're going to go dominate in mm -hmm. whatever it is you do. And so it's, you know, part of this book that I think that works pretty well is you've got these two different coaching styles of a kid that's trying to develop as an adolescent, um, not just athlete, but as an individual. And you get a lot from these athletic experiences. So it's that the transfer and translate into real life. And I think that's one of the true joys of doing athletics in any kind of competitive endeavor, endeavor, you, you really grow as an individual. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, sport and life, it's a lot of symbolism there, a lot of parallelism. Mm -hmm. Another part of the book that I feel in the time I've gotten to know you that it was a really big piece of you is the, your love of Colorado. And you mentioned it a little bit, you know, you grew up there and some of the, you know, exploration and adventure you've had there. But I just want to read this one paragraph in the book because I think it really sums up just listening to your words, sort of that, that true joy you have in being there. And it says, <laughs> although the lake was small, its presence was breathtaking. Surrounded by groves of aspen, spruce, and conifer trees, the water glistened. A light breeze brushed across its surface and sent ripples dancing out over its face. The breathtaking beauty of the lake was secondary to the presence of the Maroon Bells peaks. The two massive peaks were huddled together like a happily married couple, the lake laying in their foreground like their newborn infant. The peaks reminded me of how small I was, how small we all were in the universe. A smile came across my face. I had forgotten how much I love nature and being in the outdoors. I was finding peace in my new home. I wrote that? You did. Oh. <laughs> Every word. <laughs> that part was pretty good, actually. That was good, right? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, when, when I was seven, my parents uh, came to me. We were in uh, Branford, Connecticut. And my parents sat me down in the living room. And it was one of those things where I was kind of like, this, something's off here. This is weird. And we, you know, we had a family meeting and they informed me that they were getting divorced hmm. and that we would be moving with my mom, my, my sister and I to, to Denver, Colorado. And, you know, when you're seven years old, you're just kind of like, wait, what, mm -hmm. you know, my friends, my school, my this, my that, and, and Colorado, what is this? And you know, maybe had it been any other place on the face of the earth, it would have been disastrous. But we showed up in Colorado and it, it just opened up a whole new world to me that I hadn't really experienced. And it was this outdoor adventure world where you you got access to breathtaking views, um, smells and, and, and scenery that you'd never seen before. And you could exercise in that environment I mean that's where you went to, to get your health and fitness in hiking biking skiing and I, you know and then I moved to Aspen later in my life because I, I thought I'd kind of seen it all and you know Aspen gets a bad rap here and there because of the Learjets and the you know you know we just had the Kardashians were in town and all that and and that's fine but to be honest, it's it's pretty laid back, and and a lot of my clients that are uber wealthy, multimillionaires, are you know what are you doing today, Bob? I'm, I'm riding the bells, you know, I'm I'm going skiing, and they're just they're just everyday folks that really love to be active and fit and out in nature, and so Colorado, and I've <laughs> it's funny because I've 
uh, I've lived in Florida, I've lived in New York, I've lived in multiple areas of California, um, you know, including San Francisco, which is honestly one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been in. And, but I just, when I come back to Colorado, and I've even done this before on the tarmac in Aspen, I've literally kissed the ground when I, <laughs> when I came back from South Korea, nothing against South Korea. I think it was just a really arduous trip and I was sleep deprived and it was just, you know, I was just so happy to be home and the smells and the feel uh, of the mountains of the Rocky mountains. Um, it just truly is a magical place. And I'm sure, you know, there's a, like all along the Rocky mountains, my, I've got friends that live more near the Sierra Nevadas and, you know, near Lake Tahoe. And again, it's just, I think it's something about mountain living and being out in nature that is very special. And that, and you, what you read is weaved throughout the book, you know, and even where Cruz grew up in Tijuana, Mexico, you know, he's in this mountainous village and, and kind of thrives off that outdoor environment. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, I'm, I'm a mountain girl as well. And when I lived in Denver a couple of years, we spoke about that. But when I moved there, I remember thinking, I'll never get tired of waking up and looking west. I'll mm. never get tired of that. And people would just drive along as if that beautiful range was not there. Like, it, <laughs> like it wasn't even there. And, and, and you, you know, for me, it was just every day, this magical scene, you know, I had this beautiful picture outside my window every day and I, I loved it. That Colorado is a special place, always has a special place in my heart as well. So I, I love that in the story and I love that you can feel that in what Cruz experiences in the story as well. If you had to say what you want people to, what message you want people to have when they read this book, what would that message be? Oh boy. Uh, you know, I, I guess one of the greatest messages is that um, aim high. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter what cards you've been dealt, aim high you know and I, I I think I said it earlier but that is you know that's like the million dollar question what's this life all about people always want to know and 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 you know there's a spiritual component there and there's there's a there's a work component and and there's all this other stuff but you know you're trying to actualize your potential in my opinion as a human being and that's that's what I want to do and so you know it doesn't mean you have to do 15 hour work days to, to be the best, you know, trainer or coach or whatever, but you want to pursue it with some kind of passion and vigor. If that's what you're into, you know, I, I learned to play guitar when I was 30, which is 19 years ago. So, uh, and I, and I, I'm still, I love it. I'm passionate about it. I want to be the best. I don't want to be Eric Clapton cause I'll, I'll never, I know my limitations, but at the same time, I don't want to just be okay. I, I don't want to just dabble in it. I want to be a guitarist, you know, and I've got so many interests. I just don't have time to, to get into all of the videography and photography and all this other stuff. But uh, I, I really, I just, if you can find what you're passionate about and just pursue it with, with, you know, a little bit of uh, reckless abandon and, 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 and love and joy, um, that's what life is all about. And, and hopefully that comes through in the book you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not an Edgar Allan Poe by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, 
I'm going for it and I'm, I'm excited in this. Um, you know, I, I told my daughter, I said, you know, Brooke, you might be the only one that read, reads this book, but you know what, if that's the case, it was worth it because I affected and impacted one, one person in my life. And, and that, you know, that's how I approach a lot of things, just trying to, um, hold myself to a higher standard than anybody else expects of me and, and seeing what the human potential is. And that's, you know, I think I got that from, from martial arts and from strength and conditioning. You're kind of like your own lab rat, right? You read all this research and, you know, even, you know, you talk to 10 of the top coaches on the way to evolve an athlete and you'll have 10 different strategies, literally. And there's a lot of science behind each one of these strategies. At the end of the day, it's kind of like this lab experiment. And I think it's the same in other aspects of your life, your relationships, your work pursuits, your hobbies. You're just trying to figure out what moves you and, and how you can best actualize your potential. And, you know, that's, that's what this book is about. That's, and that's what I'm about. I love it. I, I, it's inspiring. I love when somebody gets passionate about what they're doing and can really, you can feel it and you hear it in your voice, that conviction, and you live that every day. You live it in everything that you've done that, that aiming high, going for it, no matter what it is, if it's an interest and it, you've got enough energy behind it, you pursue it. Uh, it actually happens. You know, it actually comes to be just like this book we could talk for hours. I could certainly spend another whole hour talking more about it, but I, I want to just wrap it up for today and give people mm -hmm. a little bit to think about um, as they go out to buy the book. One of the things I like to do before I close out all of my podcasts is just ask people about the name of the podcast. It just takes one. I like to get people's perspective because I think it's a deep question and I think it means something different to everybody. So if I say to you, what does it just takes one mean to you? Well, Kelly, you gave it away because you said <laughs> the, the point, and I, to be honest, I didn't know what it meant. But when you said it just takes one, as far as a, a, somebody you, you cross paths with in life and they change your life in a fundamental way. And that's, and that makes perfect sense. And, and it's, it's pr pretty profound because not only does it give, not only is it exciting to be receiving of that, that mentorship, but it's also exciting because you think, hey, I can really have an impact on somebody else's life, mm -hmm. you know? And, it, and it's almost like the old, uh, you know, was it Peter Parker's grandfather that said, with great power comes great responsibility, you know? So you have all this power now. And if you have a skill set in, in coaching, uh, in your professional endeavors, whatever they may be, um, in, in relationships, if whatever it is, you, you almost have an obligation to pay that forward and, and help others um, achieve and, and experience what you felt. One of the things, I do a lot of fitness conference presenting um, around the world, and one of the things I always wrap up with is I say most everybody in the room because we're all athletes and ex, you know, jocks and studs and physiques left and right. And you, it's just, it's like a freak show when you go to these fitness conferences, <laughs> but we, we've all been given a gift. If you look at the average population, I mean, let's be honest, you go to, you know, wherever in the Midwest or something and look at, the, go to a mall, right. And you look at folks, you know, the folks that are really fit and athletic and healthy and they, we've been given a gift mm -hmm. and it's our, not just our, 
a, you know, a, a goal, it's an obligation for us to pass that on to other people. And that's what's so exciting about personal training. You know, I'm doing all this other stuff. And at some point, I'd like to, you know, curtail my personal training hours, because you can't, you know, it's so time uh, inclusive. Uh, but, 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 you, you know, you, your ability to affect and positively impact somebody one on one is better than a psychotherapist, you spend more time with them, better than their orthopedic doctor or, or, or physician or general care practitioner. You know, a lot of times you're doing some psychology with them regarding other aspects of their life. And, you know, it, it only takes one person to have a positive impact on somebody else. And the crazy thing is you don't even know when you've done it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the first workout I ever had, organized workout at Littleton High School there was some strength coach I don't know the guy's name and I sat sat out in front of the door and I looked in and there's like one of those um you know kind of thin narrow windows with wire you know so you couldn't break the window you know what I'm saying you're looking through the steel door and so I'm looking into the gym (laughs) and I'm intimidated I'm 16 years old you know and I'm just a tall scrawny you know skinny kid and there's all these kind of studs in there with muscles. And one guy's got a beard, you know, he's like 16 with a full beard. I'm like, Oh gosh, I don't belong here. And the door opens and I kind of like jump back. I'm shocked. And this guy's like, what are you doing? I said, Oh, sorry. I was just, you know, look, it looks like there's, you know, football training going. He's like, well, are you going to come train or you're going to stand out there looking inside all day. And I was like, Oh, come, come, coming in. <laughs> and, and so this, and I said, I, I said, sir, with all due respect, I don't really know what to do in here. Like I, I've never, and he says, well, come here. And so he, you know, he gave me a couple exercises and had that guy not opened the door and kind of, you know, he was kind of in a fun joking way, but he was, he was telling, he was pushing me. He said, listen, buddy, are you going to stand? Are you going to sit on the sidelines on the bleachers and watch? Or are you going to be an active participant in life? That's what his message was. To this day, I don't know who that guy was. But, you know, he he changed my life forever. You know, it started my life of strength and conditioning. Now, granted, he did just show me two exercises. One was a calf raise and one was a dip. And I'm telling you, Kelly, I couldn't walk. I, I could not, you know, my, my feet were like in plantar flex mode for a week. And I felt like I'd torn my costal cartilage from, you know, sternum up to my clavicles. But, you know, whatever, he changed my life and I healed over time. <laughs> the craziest thing isn't any of that is that you came back and did it a second time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I was hooked. That's great. That's great. And it's so true. You never know what impact you might have. And I think the same thing as this book comes out, you will never know how many hands it gets into. You will never know where it finds its way around the globe. But if one person picks it up and gets what you just shared out of this book, then you will have made that difference. Woohoo! <laughs> I thank you so much. And, you know, if you're listening out there and you have an idea uh, or concept, it doesn't mean you even have to do it, but give Kelly and Greg and Scripter <laughs> a call and just yes. have a conversation. That's how I started. I just called. I think they spoke to spent an hour with me. And, you know, I was apprehensive and nervous and I wasn't sure. And, but, you know, it's like the coach opening the door, you know. Sometimes it takes a little push to, to get into the gym and actually train. Sometimes it takes a little push to actually start uh, something that maybe you've had on your mind for years. And, 
and it really is a great feeling and a great accomplishment to have written my own book. If it's the only one I ever do, I did it. Mm -hmm. And I can, you know, lay lay in bed at night and and thank thank my lucky stars and thank um, you, Kelly and Greg, for for all the help you've given me. Well, it's been our pleasure, and thank you for that shameless plug. I appreciate it very much. We are here if you're interested in writing a book. But Pete, if they would like to find you, find out more about you, what is the best way for them to to connect with you? Yeah, so I'm at Pete Holman one, H uh, O L M A N, and then the number one on on instagram and on twitter uh and then i think i'm just at pete holman on facebook and all these social mediums are like killing me i you know um and then i'm th then also if you're interested in like products at glute drive is another one if you're interested in plate loaded hip thrusts or you know you can you search rip trainer i'm sure you'll find me but um, one thing i do tell people is if you ever have a question or a comment or concern if there's anything i can do to help uh, you know reach out and and you know we can have a, a conversation and try to get you in the right path fantastic and if you do follow him on i see on instagram quite a bit i don't know on the other platforms but if you're looking for any kind of workouts you're often doing specialized you know in individual exercises and showing how to load correctly and oh yeah all those I love, kinds of things. so it's, yeah. um, if you're interested in that kind of stuff you can definitely see that when you get on those sites for him too fantastic good pete thank you so much congratulations on this book and best of luck with all the other things that are coming down the pike thank you so much kelly have a great day you too and there you have it pete holman best-selling author of the novel cruise and i think you'll agree <laughs> so much more in the middle of our conversation, Pete asks, who doesn't love an underdog? He's right. We all enjoy the story of a person who comes from behind, who battles through adversity, and then succeeds. Those stories are inspiring, and they give us hope. Well, Pete's book is about an underdog, and in some ways, his character reflects parts of Pete's own life. He shared some of his personal story his parents' divorce at age seven, and his subsequent move halfway across the country. But rather than letting those challenges derail him, he decided to take a different path, one that led him to where he is right now, impacting people all over the world. At the very end of our session, he shares that it just takes one person to create an impact to pay forward the gifts you've been given, and to help others to achieve their best. It's a great thought to leave you with today, a message that might inspire you to overcome your own adversity. It might motivate you to discover your best version of yourself and to pass all of that along in order to make a difference in the lives of others. I think Pete would agree that it's time for you to go out and be the one. If you enjoyed this episode of It Just Takes One, be sure to share it with your friends. This podcast is available on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Stay tuned for new episodes and more inspiring stories coming soon.